0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special welcome to the guests or visitors we have joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church, and we've now come to the 12th Sunday after Trinity. We have the great joy of hearing what is really kind of a strange word to our ears, "epitha," a word that means be open, that we will hear in the gospel lesson. And so with that, I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, For we have that focused on Christ section a summary of our readings for the day. A man who was deaf and therefore also had an impediment in his speech was brought to Jesus. In the same way, all are by nature deaf toward God and therefore also unable to confess the faith rightly. For faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Even so, in holy baptism, water sanctified by the words of Jesus' mouth is applied to us and the finger of God, that is, the life-giving Holy Spirit, is put into our ears in the hearing of the baptismal gospel. Jesus, sighing, opened the man's ears and his tongue was loose to speak plainly as Isaiah prophesied of the Messiah. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book so also he who sighed and breathed his last on the cross for us has given us to hear and believe in him, and has opened our lips that our mouths may declare his praise. And we have the great joy of declaring the gods of God declaring god's praise today. My lips are jumbled this morning, uh, but we gather to receive the Lord's body and blood, and to receive the forgiveness, life, and salvation won for us on the cross. And in accord with the Lord's word and testament, he bids that we be united in one faith as we come together to receive this holy gift. And so that we then ask that all those communing this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, joining us in that one Orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our service setting is Divine Service 4, as it begins on page 203. We now sing the first hymn. Almighty and merciful God, by your gift alone, your faithful people render true and laudable service. Help us steadfastly to live in this life according to your promises and finally attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the twelfth Sunday after Trinity is from Isaiah chapter 29. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel." For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffers cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale, for when he sees his children the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the holy one of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who murmur will accept instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Be, God. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation the ministry of righteousness much far exceeded in glory indeed in this case what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it for if that was if that if what was being brought to an end came with glory much more will what is permanent have glory This is the word of the Lord Amen The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 7th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before us today is the account of a deaf and mute man and his friends. You see, we're not really told a whole lot about either one of them. Now, what we do know is this, is that Jesus is in Gentile territory. In other words, he's in an area filled with pagans, unbelievers who have little to no knowledge of God or his word. Now, it's likely that the people have heard stories of what Jesus can do, traveling here and there, performing miracles and healings. However, we're given no reason to believe that they know anything of the one true God or his word. They're simply looking for a miracle worker. And to be honest, if we were in their shoes, we'd probably be doing the same thing. Now, as for the deaf and mute man himself, his life would have been one of great hardship. You see, unlike today where so much is communicated by images and the written word, the main way of communicating in Jesus' time was the spoken word. It was largely what we call an aural culture. Therefore, not being able to hear or speak well would be incredibly frustrating and very limiting. You would have been largely closed off from society around you. As a Jew, you wouldn't be able to hear God's word read or taught in the synagogue. You see, we get frustrated when someone cannot hear or understand us from just across the table at a potluck. Imagine living your life in silence, having no ability to hear and little to no ability to speak to those around you. This was the plight of this deaf and mute man whose friends sought out Jesus for healing. Here again, St. Mark's account of the miracle itself. And taking him aside from the crowd privately... Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, "Ephatha," that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Now I'll admit, it's pretty obvious that this miracle does contain some unusual things. Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ear, he does something with spit, likely spitting on his own fingers, and then he touches the man's tongue. This is not normal behavior. And the fact is that Jesus didn't have to touch the man or spit in order to heal him. Jesus is God in the flesh. As we sung in the sermon hymn, he is the word of God come down to earth. The text doesn't explicitly tell us why Jesus does these things. However, what we do see and what we do know is that Jesus is compassionate. Anyone who ever doubted God's personal care for humanity need only look at this miracle. Here is God in the flesh, incarnate, who has come down to our sin-corrupted world with sin-corrupted people. And what does he do? Well, the opposite of distancing himself. I mean, first there's the incarnation, then he comes and he heals people. And not only that, Jesus takes this man aside from the crowd privately. He lays his hands on him, and he speaks his body and soul healing word, "Ephatha," which means be opened. Now, in doing this great thing, Jesus not only reveals the compassion of God toward lowly sinners, he also fulfills the word of the prophet Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, that from Isaiah 35. And then as we heard from Isaiah 29 today, is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned to a fruitful field? And the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book. It should be noted that the general region from which Jesus traveled was also Lebanon, another connection. As we continue our study of this gospel lesson, then we'll see... That Jesus is the long-promised Messiah who opens our ears to faith, that we might confess him rightly and rejoice in his salvation. So, let's keep digging, shall we? As the Lord of all creation, Jesus comes to set right what went wrong in the fall. The astonished crowd says of him, he has done all things well. Now, I'm going to drop some Greek on you this morning because it says he has done all things kalos. That means good. Now, we wouldn't say it that way. He's done all things good. In English, our grammar is different. But this mirrors the words of Genesis at the conclusion of creation. And God saw everything that he had made, made, and behold, it was very kalos. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, very good. That same word. You see, this man who is closed off from God has been opened by the Son of God to life and salvation. And the first voice that he heard was the same voice that spoke all creation into existence. It's amazing. It's important to note that Jesus not only healed this man's physical ailments, he also set this man free spiritually. This is seen in the language that's used for this healing. Taking a closer look again at the Greek text, and I wouldn't drop these words on you if they didn't have bearing on what's taught here. And they do, which is why I share them with you. The language that's used in this healing is the same as when Jesus frees a person from a demon, The man's tongue was literally unshackled. It was loosed. It was set free. The band of his tongue, as it says, was released. His tongue, which was bound up physically and spiritually, was released. It was loosed. It was unshackled from its bonds, suggesting that this is not just a physical cause to his issue, but also something which may even be demonic. And what does St. Mark say about the man? His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Here again the Greek gives us great insight because it's not just that the man spoke plainly, the word there is orthos. He spoke rightly. Now that word orthos means straight, correct, right. Therefore orthodontists, they make crooked teeth straight, correct and right. Orthopedic surgeons make broken bones right and straight and correct once again. Now in the Christian church we use this also in a word called orthodox which means correct or right glory. And so this man's response to Jesus' healing word was the proclamation of right glory, that is, right and correct praise of God. And this profound detail is important not just for the man some 2,000 years ago, it's also important for us. As we study this gospel lesson, I realize that as we look at the ceremony surrounding this miracle, it can be perplexing and confusing But this shouldn't prevent us from seeing ourselves in this text. You see, just like the deaf and mute man, you and I, we were closed by sin. Thanks to Adam, we were all conceived and born in sin. Spiritually blind, spiritually dead enemies of God is how we confess it in the catechism, which is nothing more than what the scriptures teach. In fact, we all started off spiritually deaf and mute as well. Just like the man in the gospel lesson, we were closed off from God, dead in our sin and trespasses, as St. Paul teaches us. We were in need of salvation, completely unable to save ourselves. You see, our eyes, our ears, and all our members, our reason, and all our senses, these things which were created to glorify God, were, by sin, corrupted, and turned to selfish, brutish, and evil uses. Then Christ Jesus did what we could not do. He fulfilled the promises of God. He came into this fallen world as our Savior and as our substitute. And he accomplished what Adam failed to do. Jesus kept and fulfilled God's law perfectly. In thought, word, and deed. And he then died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for all sin. And rose again on the third day. You see, Christ had to win forgiveness and salvation for us. We couldn't do that ourselves. It's the very reason why he came to us. Therefore, in fulfillment of what was spoken of him by the prophets, Jesus shed his holy innocent blood on the cross, purchasing and winning our forgiveness and salvation. You see, this is where and how those gifts were attained. But those gifts of God's grace, forgiveness, everlasting life, salvation from Satan, they must still be given to you personally. So it begs the question, how and where does God do that? water combined with his word, and baptism, that same word of God faithfully preached and taught to you, Christ's absolution which is spoken to you, tucked into your ears, and Christ's true body and blood given to you in and under bread and wine. God's word and sacraments. These are God's chosen delivery methods for his grace, his means of grace. Therefore, when you were baptized, Jesus separated you from the unbelieving crowd of this world, he took you aside privately, just as with that deaf and mute man. He washed you clean of your sin and said, Ephatha, be open. And immediately, the moment you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, your ears were open to hear and believe God's word, your tongue released to sing God's praise. And you spoke and confessed rightly. Orthos. That is, you confessed your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'll admit, and we all really have to admit, that from the outside looking in, baptism looks like nothing, like a spiritualized and ritualized sprinkling of water, and yet God calls it the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that from the book of Titus. Baptism is truly, then, a second birth, a birth from heaven itself, as Jesus describes it in John chapter 3. Did you know then that the Christian church, it has a history of using this word of Jesus that we hear today, "Ephatha," that special word. The church has used that during holy baptism for centuries. You see what would happen is that the pastor or the priest would take water or sometimes even his own spit. I know, I know. But he would take water and he would touch it to the ears of the infant and also the nose because even then they're not going to take that and touch it to their lips, right? And he would say, "Ephatha, be opened. Because there's a recognition of what's going on here. This practice was started precisely because that is what God is doing in baptism. He is opening up a spiritually dead and closed-off sinner and pouring in forgiveness, salvation. He's giving the gift of faith and even the Holy Spirit. Where once was darkness and death, now there is light and life. So also, when an unbeliever hears the gospel and receives the gift of faith in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit... What was closed is now opened, Ephatha. Now notice the passive nature of that phrase even, be opened. God is the one doing the verbs. He's the one doing the opening, not the person. It's the same as when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Folks, Lazarus didn't do a thing. He was dead. He had one job and he was doing it. In fact, it wasn't even his job. Instead, by the power of God's word, Jesus proclaims, Lazarus, come out, an imperative. He tells him to do something, and the dead man rises because Jesus is God in the flesh. So, also with Jairus' daughter in Mark 5, the little girl had died, and Jesus took her by the hand and said, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, immediately, the girl got up and began walking. She didn't do a thing, she was dead. Instead, she was given life and raised by the power of God's spoken word. So it is for all who hear the word of God and receive the gift of faith. As St. Paul writes, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Therefore, when a person receives the gift of faith in Jesus, they're open from death to life, from darkness to light. And it's no less miraculous than the miracle that we see in the gospel lesson before us today. The gift of saving faith is indeed a miracle accomplished by God, the Holy Spirit, through his word. This same Jesus who opened the deaf and mute man, giving to him faith and restored life, is the same Jesus who is pierced for our transgressions on the cross. He died for us and was then himself closed into the darkness of a tomb. And on the third day that tomb was opened and Jesus came out alive. God be praised for his triumph over sin, death, and Satan. Now heaven itself is open to you and to all who cling to Christ in faith. Indeed, God's baptized people, we are those whom Jesus has opened and given the gift of faith, the forgiveness and full pardon of all our sins, everlasting life, and salvation from our old evil foe, Satan. And dear saints, those gifts are yours now and eternally as they are given to you on the whole as his church and individually in word and sacrament. But as you probably noticed We're not in God's paradise yet. In fact, the temperatures this past week probably reminded you much more of the hot place, right? So what then does the lesson, what lessons does this gospel call to mind for us as we reach that great and glorious day? Well, first there's a reminder and then also a word of caution. Jesus has opened your ears to hear his word and believe it. Your ears, they are set free to use them as God intended to hear and believe his word. The devil and the sinful world, they're constantly trying to fill our ears with lies, with distractions, with white noise, anything which will keep us from hearing and believing the truth of God's word, anything which will keep you from coming to God's house, confessing your sins and receiving Christ's word of life and salvation. Therefore, ask yourself, what am I filling my ears with? Am I filling my ears with good things? This is important because the things we choose to listen to are the things we choose to fill up our hearts and minds with. So I'll ask again, what are you filling your ears with? Do you listen to that which is good and true and beautiful? Borrowing the words of St. Paul, do you listen to that which is true, honorable, just, lovely, pure, commendable, and praiseworthy? We're told plainly, think about such things you listen to God's Word and the pure teaching of God's Word on days other than Sunday? I realize this may be convicting, but dear saints, let it also be an encouragement. If you want suggestions for resources that will help you fill your ears, hearts, and minds with good and godly things, just ask. I'd love to help you. We're blessed to live in a time where there is amazing access to good, pure, biblical teaching. On podcasts, on the internet, there are recorded sermons both in video and audio form. There's all kinds of written devotions which are just fantastic that keep you grounded in Christ and his word day to day. Just ask, and I'd love to help you out with that. But as we contemplated the right use of our ears, let us turn our attention then to our lips. I'll ask you, what words are on your lips? Do you speak rightly, that is orthos, as the man did in the gospel lesson? We must remember that just as the deaf and mute man's tongue was unshackled so that he could speak rightly about God, giving him praise and glory, God has done this for you and for me in holy baptism. Your tongue has been set free to give God thanks and praise. God wants us to speak rightly, that is orthos, about him and about our neighbors, giving him honor and praise and loving our neighbors with our words. We don't have to use our tongues as the unbelievers around us do, blaspheming God, cursing our neighbors who are made in God's image, filling our mouths with filth. Our tongues have been set free to do the very things that we heard in the gradual today. You can pick up your bulletin and look there and see it. Our tongues have been set free to bless and praise the Lord, to boast in the Lord, to speak rightly of the Lord so that the humble read, so that repentant sinners... We'll hear of Christ's forgiveness and be glad. What a privilege, dear saints. We get to speak rightly of Jesus, the Savior of sinners. We get to confess his name and all he has accomplished for us in the world. We get to call upon him in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. And he promises to hear you. The same Jesus through whom all things were made, he hears your prayers, each and every one of them. It is not too hard for him. The same Jesus who spoke Ephatha to that dear man 2,000 years ago, he hears your prayers and he answers them according to his good and gracious will. Therefore, dear saints, when you use your God-given ears and tongues for unrighteous things, confess your sins and know that in Christ you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. Hear and believe his absolution. And when you come to the sacrament and you hear his word spoken and chanted over bread and wine, know that this is Christ's true body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and your sins are forgiven. And then so also hear and receive his word of peace because that is the word that he leaves us with as we leave his house each and every week. And then when you leave his house, go out to your friends, family, children, and grandchildren, godchildren, cleansed and forgiven, And speak rightly of God, rejoicing in his salvation. As those redeemed by Christ's death and resurrection, you use your ears to hear that which is is godly, and your tongues to confess and proclaim God's salvation to humble sinners. And always, always rest in his salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this congregation, that our ears would be opened by the Spirit to the gospel of peace and salvation, and that our lips would show forth our thanks and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church throughout the world and for our Synod, especially our district, that God would bless all congregations, pastors, and agencies to serve faithfully and without fear, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy we all in authority by whose service God provides for us the gift of order, including parents and family, our government, our police and firemen, our military and our schools, that they would be given strength and endurance to carry out their duties well. Let us pray to the Lord. The Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the frail, and the dying, including Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that God would restore them to health, and for doctors, nurses, therapists, and those who tend our brothers and sisters in need, that God would bless them as they put the talents He has given them to good use. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those recovering, including Norma Horine, Nathan Burmeister, and Simeon Durham, that God would grant strength, continued healing, and a firm trust in His Word and promises in Christ Jesus, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. For all who will partake this day of Christ's most precious body and blood in the sacrament of the altar, that they may discern his body and blood and come to his table in humility and faith to receive the forgiveness of sins and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Heavenly Father, you brought us forth by the word of truth, by your own gracious will, and plant the word of truth in us, which is able to save our souls, that we may be the first fruits of the new creation, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Again, good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. We certainly give thanks to God that some cooler weather has been brought in for us. And, you know, I was remiss in mentioning it at the beginning of the service, but it was noted in the bulletin uh, and, and also last week that this Sunday is Christian Education Sunday. Uh, so at this time, I will invite forward the head of our chair of uh, uh, Christian education, that would be Jacob Nolker, uh, along with um, uh, our third grader this year, uh, Oliver Bibb, uh, to receive his Bible and catechism from the congregation. There you go, bud. This is part of our ongoing commitment as God's people in this place to continue to put into the hands of our young, those uh, those baptized. God's word and the holy teaching of His word, that they might continue to grow with the blessing of the Holy Spirit uh, in that one true faith unto life everlasting. Um, Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) Goodness, better myself. As we continue on with the uh, announcements, um, of course we have Bible study and Sunday school immediately following worship this day. This week, Theology on Tap returns. Women on Tuesday at 7 p.m. As we continue through uh, ladylike living biblically. Uh, And then also the men on Thursday. And this will be another month where the men, we pick up a particular topic, some intersection between uh, contemporary issues and the teachings of Holy Scripture. So we'll do that on Thursday at 7. Just a reminder that the Shipman Scholarship is still open for application until September 3rd. Uh, You can find applications out on the glass case. And also today at Faith Lutheran, there's a fish fry and also a very special occasion as they install their new pastor. Uh, The Reverend Jeffrey Cuttis is being installed as their pastor at 4 p.m. That's when that service will be, and then 6 p.m. will be the fish fry. Uh, And then also a special announcement for something coming up here at Trinity. Uh, The Trinity Women's Group is hosting a Heart Savers CPR and AED class. That'll be on September 23rd at 8.30 in the morning in the church auditorium. You can expect the class to last about two to three hours cost is $20. Uh, Space is limited for this first class, but please continue signing up. We'll have more opportunities to host this class uh, as we have more people who sign up. Um, So the last day to register is September 17th. And if you have any questions at all, please see Patty. She'd be happy to to help you out with that. It's a wonderful thing that we've got here. We've been blessed. We do have an AED out there. Uh, Now we get the chance to learn how to use it, right? Okay, hopefully we never have to. Lord willing. Uh, also, Oktoberfest to save the date, the 3rd Annual, it's fun to be able to say that now, the 3rd Annual Trinity Oktoberfest will be held Sunday, October 1st. So, as it says there, duft off, just off your later hosen. get out that hat with the feather in it. I don't know what, what that's called, you know, there's got to be some German name for that as well. Uh, but we'll look forward to that time of fellowship and feasting and rejoicing in the Lord's good first article gifts, uh, and especially the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, so that'll be on a Sunday, so we'll start the day with the Lord's body and blood, and then we'll continue rejoicing all the day uh, as we continue on into the afternoon. Anything that I may have missed? All right. Seeing nothing, God's peace be with you as you go out as those who are opened by Christ's word of salvation, that we might hear his word, sing his praises, and confess his name. I'll greet you at the door.